Hey, welcome to the Uncomfortable is Okay podcast. I am your host, Chris Desmond. This is a show where I sit down and have conversations with interesting people doing cool things who inspire me and hopefully you guys to get out of our comfort zones uh, as well as looking at the strategies that they use to help them get uncomfortable. This week's guest is Ben Logan who I got to have a Skype conversation with last weekend. Ben is a former pro triathlete representing New Zealand Uh, He finished up with the competitive triathlon circuit a few years ago, moved from Auckland down to central Otago uh, when he felt the call of the wilderness. Since then, he's been down there and he's teamed up with Dr. Greg Emerson to start up a company called New Age Primal. And New Age Primal is aiming to teach people the unique mindset skills to thrive in life through practical survival courses. Um, And I'll definitely be heading down south at some point to go on one of Ben's courses. Uh, So if you're keen, let me know and we can figure out how to do it together. So today our chat is about getting outside of the norm of what's socially acceptable. It's about figuring out what to pursue and gaining the confidence to explore the things that you're interested in. One of Ben's interests, which I share is figuring out what optimal health looks like. We can see what the bottom end looks like, but whereabouts is that top end? Ben's all about training his mind and his body continuously, putting it through the uncomfortable consistently to grow and evolve as a person. Uh, It's fair to say that I was buzzing after my conversation with Ben, and I hope that you guys will be too. So remember, if you like what you hear, make sure to share it out with your mates so that they can get into some of Ben's wisdom. Thanks for getting uncomfortable with Ben and I today. Welcome to the Uncomfortable Is Okay podcast. Thanks for sharing a bit of time with me today. Uh, Chris, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Awesome, mate. Um, now, I think to start off with, why don't we have a little bit of a chat about your background, kind of where you're, where you're from, where you grew up, maybe a couple of formative experiences that shaped you on the, on the way? Of course. I'm 33. I currently live in, two, currently live in Wanaka. I moved here five years ago from which is where my uh, younger years, so where I grew up, so the rest of my family is based. Um, I needed to get out of the city, so um, five years ago, it was something I put off for quite a long time. I had a calling for sort of the mountains, the lakes, the the wildness down here for a long time, and it's a place I came a lot when I was doing triathlons when I was younger. There were a couple of big events I used to have down here in some training camps, so I had a good feel for this region and what it was like, and how it made me feel, but it's something I put off for a bit too long. I stayed in Auckland and um, 
eventually came down for a race and pulled the trigger and decided to move down here. And it's been a fantastic change. It's where I met my fiance. It's where I started uh, my new company, New Age Primal. And it's just um, it's a snowball that's just um, that's just evolved for me. So it's been a beautiful change and transition to move to the South Island, different, different landscape, different mindset, different scenery. So it's, it's been very positive for me. Cool. And almost a different pace as well at times. It I is. Think. It is. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's a different way of living. It's, it's a lot quieter in, in a good way for me. Some people find it a bit mundane, a bit quiet, but for me, it's good. It gives me space. It gives me time to think. Um, we'll see you soon. Drive safe. Um, it's just, it's a very, it's, it fits me well. Again, so it's, it's not for everyone, but for me, it is. It's fantastic. Cool. Mate, uh, I, I, I want to unpack that a little bit more. Um, so you were in Auckland for, for most of your life. What were you, what were you doing up there? You were working or you was, were, sorry. I went through school and I started triathlons at the, about the age of 13. And it was um, it was something that came quite naturally to me. I was strong. I was I was fit for my age, and um, I enjoyed the sport. I it was a challenge for me. It was a release from other areas of life that weren't particularly fun for me at the time. And um, and I, I just dove head first into that. So from the about the age of thirteen to sort of twenty five, I was very heavily involved in triathlon. Sort of from a junior athlete, uh, went up through the ranks and sort of um, started racing professionally quite a few trips and races overseas. Um, and I just dove into that head first. It was what I knew. It was what I was good at. Um, and Auckland was a hub for, for racing and triathlon. So that, that was my main sort of um, point of staying in Auckland, I guess. Yeah. Did you enjoy it? <laughs> yeah. You didn't mention funny. that there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I knew this would come up. I, I did. I learned a lot from it. Um I didn't have the – it's funny as you get older, you get a different perspective. When you have children, you have a different perspective. As you have a bit of a quieter life, you have time for perspective. And, um, you know, part of what I do now, part of what I teach, part of the sort of man I've become and how I've evolved has been shaped by those experiences, I guess. And um, I enjoyed a lot of it. I, I had a – I didn't – as many people, I didn't have the most enjoyable childhood. I had a very abusive uh, stepfather. Um, had quite a few head injuries, which resulted from that. And I think triathlon, looking back, was a, was a was an avenue to escape um, a bit of childhood trauma. You know, I had a lot of um, had a lot of hidden anger, I guess, um, and it gave me a good avenue to release that. A good avenue to get some self confidence back and to sort of express who I was. But I didn't, and something I realized a long time ago, I didn't, I wasn't doing it for the reasons that I wanted to. Um, I never sort of stopped and asked myself, what was the reason I was doing triathlons? And it wasn't until I moved down here that I had a very different perspective and sort of had a lot of clarity around that. I, the reasons I enjoy sport, the reasons I enjoy to test myself in a, in a physical capacity is... It's an expression of myself, where I am, and the, the environment I'm in. And I think the reason I started to get very stagnant in my triathlon career, one of the reasons started to sort of decline in Auckland was the, the sort of environment I was in. And it wasn't until I moved down here that I realized the reason I love to test myself so much physically is uh, running up a mountain, cycling up at the Crown Range, being with nature. So 
living in a place like this is a real expression of my physical um, strengths, my physical love for sport. Um, so again, that was another reason I wanted to move down here. But the, I learned a lot about myself doing the sport. It's something I've stepped away from for the meantime. There's the beauty of endurance sport now is there's so many different fractions. There's swimming, running events, there's triathlon, there's Spartan. There's all, there's, there's so many different events. And I guess that's just the attribute to the evolution of endurance sports in general. I think it's a fantastic thing. It, it brings, um, many positive benefits to what we do. So for, for the time being, while well, I'm getting a new company set up, spending that quality time with my child, I've sort of stepped away from competitive sport, but at some point I would like to get back into it with a different mindset, a different perspective and a different, um, and learning from some of the, the mistakes and the positive um, things that I've learned over that time. Awesome. Yeah. And I think I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying there in terms of uh, sport and, and physical activity being a, a, an expression of yourself, but also kind of a celebration of, of what your body is capable of. Yes. And also, yeah, as, as you're talking about, a real learning experience. Um, I'm about to do, well, probably six weeks away, uh, the Wellington Urban Ultra Marathon. So it's the first, it's the first ultra marathon I've, I've ever run. And, and what distance is that? Uh, 60Ks. 60, brilliant. Around the hills of Wellington. So there's a bit of up and down with it. So maybe not quite as much as in the Crown Range, but, uh, Yes, there's a wee bit, but with stuff like that, it does. It kind of it forces you to go deep inside um, it does. and kind of question yourself a little bit. It's challenging physically, but I think that the mental challenges of it are probably more so than the than the physical stuff because your body's capable of of pretty amazing things if you can ask it to do things in the right way. The the physical side is is. It's literally doing the alphabet as anyone can do the physical side. And that's something, again, I've learned. Um, and I guess, like I said, with age comes experience and um, perspective. And looking back now, it's, I, learned a lot, I learned a lot from the sport. I was from the, about the age of 15 to 20. I was training um, 40 plus hours a week, which for a, a teenager of that or young adult of that age was uh, horrific. You know, I did a lot of physical trauma to myself just from a lack of understanding of how the body works, you know, sports physiology. Um, I grew up with a bit of a mentality and a culture of more is better, harder. Um, and I thrashed myself. I had no, I was very unrounded as an athlete. I could train all day, but um, the mental side was lacking. The emotional side was lacking. And that's something, like I said, I've learned a lot from. And when I get back into competitive endurance sports, I'd like to take a lot of those lessons. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a, a competitive success, a successful athlete is a, a byproduct of many things, many, many things. The mental state is, is by far the most important. The emotional state, I think, is very important. They're the foundation, the structure which holds up the physical um, needs, the physical um yeah, the physical needs, the, the requirements to do what you do. Um, so, yeah, a successful athlete is a complete byproduct of many different things coming together. And I guess looking back, I was a very unrounded athlete, but um, I learned a lot from it. And you can either, I guess, take that as a negative or you can learn from it, apply it to future experiences, future endeavors, and help people with those um, mistakes that you have made and the mistakes you have learned from. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, I mean, I think, 
we're, we're the same age and kind of growing up, um, you were a more successful athlete than, than I ever was. But I think that they're kind of easily accessible uh, information around sport and about how to be a good athlete yes. wasn't there when we were coming up compared to the way it is now that um, if you know where to look, there's so much more information now at your fingertips and that uh, understanding of being well-rounded as a person makes you more well-rounded as an athlete as well. Yeah, I don't want to make too much excuses for myself, to be honest. Um, Mm. I think in the 80s with the Peter Snell era, um, that may have been the case. But I think, you know, in the 2000s when I was starting racing, I think there was more than enough information available. I think there was more a mindset of, it was was more a culture for me. It was more the the type of people I was around and it was more the... um, and I guess I didn't really have much um, experience with this, but it was, I didn't seek outside information. You know, it, it was, it was, I didn't look outside of the box. And I guess, you know, that was my mistake. That was my problem. That was my fault. And it's something I could have done differently in hindsight. But um, yeah, it, it was the information that was told and there was the culture that was there. But there was, there was more than enough information I felt at that time. Obviously, that has increased in the last sort of, especially the last 10 years. And every day it snowballs even greater with the ease of internet and ease of information that's being shared and the platforms like podcasts and the, the incredible services that yourself offer to facilitate that information. But um, yeah, for me, it was a cultural thing. It was the people I was around, it was the coaches I was with, and it was the, the lack of um, outside information I, I, saw, I sought, basically. Yeah. I think, I mean, especially I, I remember back to being a 20-year-old guy you think you pretty much know know most oh. of the things at, at that point. So oh, that was me at fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it sounds like you you learned some valuable lessons from the from the time that you were competing, but also kind of looking back on it as well and seeing that the areas that you needed for improvement uh, yes. in, in your athletic endeavours. Um, were there any other learnings that we haven't kind of touched on there that you, you pulled out of triathlon? Um, yes, we, we could do the whole podcast on that, basically. Um, I, I think, and this is with everything, this is with business, this is with life, this is with school, this is with um, a relationship, I, I, anything that requires doing anything well. There needs to be a very deep understanding of why you're doing it. Not from your parents' point of view, not from your boss's point of view, not from a social point of view, but from a very deep place within which asks the reason you are doing this. And to do something very committed, to do something very hard, something that takes a lot of effort, there needs to be a very deep level of understanding as to why you're doing something. And I guess in relevance to sport, I hadn't quite nailed that on the head. You know, I was doing it from a place of releasing anger, from a place that it made me, um, it made me happy, but it wasn't deep enough to really, um, it wasn't deep enough. And I think that's something a lot of people lack is a very true understanding of why they're doing it and, and the reasons that they're going to take themselves to very dark places to achieve what they need to. Um, and I think that's very individual. And I guess growing up as well, there were, and this is something now that I would like to promote to athletes is there's a lot of avenues for sport and different events. And we discussed the different lengths of endurance events that are available now. And at growing up, for example, um, 
I had the Olympic distance style of racing. It was short, it was very fast. I swam well. I didn't run particularly well. And I was never going to be overly good at it. Um, especially with the mentality and the style of training I had. But towards the 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 half Ironman distance and, and Ironman distance, that's where a lot of athletes have sort of found their stride because it's, it's just much better suited for them. So I think within sport, within anything, there's many different avenues to go down. And I think just getting outside of that standard mentality of this is the direction you must travel, these are your skills that will take you down there. Um, I think there's many different paths that can be tackled, many different avenues that can be gone down to achieve what people are interested in. Mm. You know, I think it's just standing, getting outside the norm of what's, what's socially acceptable, what's standard, what the stock standard is. And I think once you go down there, it brings up many other benefits and it just opens up a complete world, like, like you mentioned at the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very cool point, I think. Um, and and everyone is different and everyone's going to have different drivers and different passions, Absolutely. but also different kind of physical strengths as well and, and abilities. Do you have any advice for people about kind of how to how to sort of choose a path? path that they want to go down or how to um even investigate a path that they might uh, they might like to pursue in relevance to sport or in just relevance in to general? in relevance to sport particularly to start with but also in in life in general i think there's a lot of crossover with that too absolutely well i'll, I'll talk about sport and I th- what you'll find is i think this will easily transfer to life business to er- any area of life any aspect people are interested in I think just having the confidence to explore what you're interested in. And again, it's a very simple concept, but it's a concept that's not very well promoted in a modern society, in the society we live in. You know, you, you, you go to your school, you go to university, there are specific sports you, you, you do. Um, so the, just having that flexibility, that confidence as an individual to, to look outside the box, to, to inquire, to investigate. And I think this is where beautiful transformations happen is to just to, to be slightly different to say, no, I'm, that doesn't excite me much. I'm going to look down a different avenue to be original, to be creative, just to, I think the biggest thing is having the confidence and, and backing yourself to go down a different path to what the rest of the sheep are, are taking. Mm, yeah. You know, that there's, that life is beautiful. Life is, is so abundant and, and open and um, there are so many different avenues and paths and directions one can take and it, it, it takes confidence it takes balls it takes um, it takes a very good skill set and mindset to go down a different path to what most are but it's um, yeah it, it brings fantastic things it really does yeah yeah I, I agree with all of that there mate and I think that's that's something that I want to come back to um but I want to pivot back a little bit to your move from from Auckland down south. You said you felt a call for the wilderness. Yes. What what was that call, and and why do you think you felt it? Um, good question. I think I don't know really how to quantify that, but it was just a very deep intrinsic feeling within myself, and I think. Um, as we'll talk about probably in the future a little bit, the reason people get into the work and the reason I've got into New Age Primal and the type of work that I do, a large part of um, my childhood was very fascinated with the wilderness, uh, particularly Alaska, um, and wild animals, in particular wolves. And I think that's one of the reasons I sort of, um, my dog and myself, Masca, found each other. 
it was just the the, the place that it was. There was something a, a connection from when I was younger. I spent a lot of time in the wilderness, uh, out at the Waitakere's and Piha when I was growing up. There was just there's always been a desire for me to be in large open spaces, mountains, extreme weather, ruggedness, and, and just the feeling that brings me, the feeling it, it has for me. The transformation from that and living in the city, you know, it's very stagnant, it's very sterile, it's very each day is the same, you have a standard routine. And it was just the ruggedness, it was the unpredictability, it was the environment. It just it was a very deep feeling within that just um it attracted me, it called me. And it was just a place I needed to be around. You know, the South Island has it it could have been any any place, it could have been Mount Cook, it could have been Aoraki, it could have been Tekapo, but there's just something about Wanaka, Queens, um that just um I had to live here. And was that kind of a slow burn for you in terms of the move down there or did you hit a bit of a tipping point in Auckland that you were like, nah, this is it, I'm gone? Uh, both, both. I got very complacent with Auckland and I stayed there, for, again, for reasons that I I should have changed, reasons that weren't a positive attributes to myself, just being stuck in that rut, stuck in that mentality and um, it, was, it expressed itself in everything I did up there, basically, my sport, my life, my personal life. Um, and then I came down for a race once and that was the absolute catalyst and, uh, just, it just, there was an absolute spark went off and I just, within, an, I think a month I'd moved down here. Brilliant. So, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was something, a change I should have made for a long time. It was brewing for a long time. It was like a volcano. And then I sort of, uh, like I said, I came down for a race once and it just erupted and it was just a thing. I, I had to be here. Basically there was, um, Auckland was not an option for me anymore. Living in the city was not an option for me. Very cool. Um, so you've you've enjoyed the the quiet uh, down there, and it sounds like you've given it's given you kind of a, a bit more of a chance for some introspection and looking back and asking yourself a few more questions. Yes, as well, which is which is quite cool. And I think a lot of us get quite caught up in that that day to day busyness in parentheses that we don't yes. start to ask ourselves those questions um, but a lot of that busyness is just kind of inane stuff that is kind of ticking a box and isn't really super important that we no, don't kind no. of give ourselves the time to just to stop and to ask ourselves better questions really not at all and i think um I didn't have the understanding of the importance of really going inside and asking those deep questions. I, it wasn't even a thing I really um, knew about. So that was a discovery more by moving here. So yes, both of those process of, processes have happened for me, but it was the move and which was the catalyst for that, that openness, that time to heal, that, that time to have a lot of mental clarity which really uh, led me down the path of the, the realization and understanding and the importance of really having that time allocated within one's life, where you live, whatever you do to, to ask yourselves those questions and, and just go, go inside and really, um, I think that's where he, a lot of healing happens mm. and a lot of growth, a lot of transformation as well. Yeah. Did you have any big questions that you asked yourself during that time? Oh yeah, absolutely, and always will. I, I felt a lot of um, I felt a lot of disappointment with myself for not achieving, I guess, what I what I wanted to, what others had expected of me. 
but I've, I had a massive uh, feeling of disappointment and, and tinged with guilt for not sort of rete- uh, reaching my potential within the sport and what I spent a lot of time, money, you know, and what others had contri- contributed as well. Um, so that was something that took quite a while to come to terms with. And over time, I've sort of accepted that and I've sort of seen the positive out of it because it's, it's led me to a place, it's, it's, it's taught me skills that I, I wouldn't have learned otherwise. And I always believe within any negative situation, any bad situation, there's always many positives within it. There's always many learning experiences that can come from that. So it took me a while to overcome that and really get my head around it. But I've come out the other side and in a much better space. And like I said, I don't think without those lessons and those mistakes that I made, I don't think I I would be the working in the capacity that I am, the father that I am, the man that I am, and living the life that I am. So, and I think also the 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 importance that's placed on a physical result, uh, a form of success, I think, is something that is very warped in our society. And I think somebody needs a lot of attention. And I mean, trust me, in training sessions, I was the best athlete in the world. <laughs> there were days in training by myself with others that, you know, if it was the world championship, oh, I would have lapped the second place. I was that good. Um, but it never resulted to a, a, a race. You know, a couple of times it did, but largely my, my training, my strengths, my skills, my speed never translated to a race. I would do silly things. I would um, train too hard. I would do stupid things with nutrition, but it taught me so many good skills. A good, and once I got to outside of the mentality of having to perform in a race, um, you know, it just taught me so many things that I, I can really um, attain now. The things that I can really use. Things that are tangible now. So yeah, I, I success-wise in races, are very few. Um, skills that were learnt uh, physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, I, I have an absolute vault, an absolute bank account full of those. So, in many ways, I failed, but in many ways, I, um, I had a huge amount of success as well. Yeah, oh, very cool. And that's probably going to be the next, the question after next that I ask you. But let's talk about uh, New Age Primal and, yes. and the stuff you're doing with that now. How did that come into being? And, and can you tell us what it, what it is? Yes. My goal with New Age Primal is to have a platform in which we teach people how to perform, perform and survive in a modern world. Now, that sounds quite abstract. It sounds quite loosely termed, but the need for performance and survival in the modern world is everywhere. For you to have a successful podcast and for you to have a successful venture to, to – uh, you need some very good survival and performance skills. You need to perform against other podcasts. For me to have a thriving business and to be able to teach what I love doing, I need to have some incredible survival skills. Plus, I need to be able to perform against other companies doing like-minded things. Um, statistically, for me to not get cancer or for you to not get heart disease, that requires some good survival skills. You know, we're bordering on heart disease being one in three and cancer being one in two in the next generation. That's not going to happen by luck. That's not just not going to happen. We need some very good survival skills um, through health, through nutrition, through whatever human physiology to avoid that, to to not become victim to that. That's not a, in many essences, that's a survival skill. Uh, I live on the Alpine fault line. There could easily yesterday, a week ago, a month from now, a year from now, be a very significant earthquake, probably uh, the southern hemisphere's most largest earthquake. 
for me to survive that and look after my family, I need some very good survival skills. Um, the state of overseas drivers in the southern region is horrific. They're handed a set of car keys and they're given the luxury to a car and they neither have the skills uh, mentally, mentally, emotionally, physically to handle these roads. And the, the driving here is very, very dangerous. So for me to navigate that, I need some very good survival skills. So the need to perform and survive in a modern world is um, is absolutely key for absolutely everybody. So going going back a little bit further, I think everyone is shaped, everyone is sort of transformed in some sort of direction. We're conditioned to ways of thinking. From a child, through experiences, through school, through university, through other experiences. And I guess through my sports background, I had a very deep interest in performance. And I guess through my childhood and other experiences, I had a very big interest in survival. And it wasn't something, uh, when I started New Age Prime, it wasn't I want to do performance and survival courses. It was I want to help people in these particular areas. And the hardest part forming this company was really quantifying and really being specific with what what it is we're doing. And they had to come from me. And I had a, I had a very deep understanding of what it was, but actually putting it into physical words, I found quite hard. So there was a lot of time thinking on it, doing sort of pretend courses with myself, writing a lot of content, a lot of literature, and working with individual people. And it's um, it's only been in the last year that I've really been able to quantify what New Age Primal is and put it into words um, and really start beginning courses in, in that avenue of really um, evolving it as a company and as an idea. Oh, very cool. Um, <clears throat> how how long ago did it start, Ben? And was it uh, just kind of something that had been brewing in the back of your mind for a little while? Or the the catalyst, again, was coming down south and, and being in this in this environment? It's, a, it's something I've been interested in for about the last 10 years. And again, with something you're interested in, you don't start a company, you start away from it. So, um, right away from it. It's something you sort of evolve, you sit on, you, it brews, um, you change the idea, you adapt. But yeah, the, moving down here was a catalyst, absolutely. I wanted to start something, like you said, something you could be creative with, something that you could sort of uh, not control, but something you could control the direction of, something you could very much help people with. Um, and it was about two years ago, I really put the idea out. I met a very good friend of mine, one of my best friends, Dr. Greg Emerson, who is from Nelson originally. He's slightly older. He's in his uh, early 50s, but he's he's got the strength, health, and resilience of a 20-year-old. He's an incredible man. Um, and I met him in Wanaka. And again, it was just it was just by chance. And I truly believe it was just when you put things in the right direction, big things happen. When you steer the ship in a very small direction um, of, of positive change, it just absolutely snowballs. And I think that was what happened here. I met Greg at a cafe here. We started talking just by chance and we, we exchanged, um, we just got to know each other. We exchanged what we did and wow, that was exciting. We actually went out pine pollen foraging that day, which is a very manly um, thing to do. Essentially, you're collecting the male sperm from a yeah. pine tree and it's an incredible adaptogen, it's an incredible tonic, very good phytoandrogen, phytoandrogen, a very manly plant and it's a very time-consuming, pain-in-the-ass plant to forage because it's very difficult to get a lot of especially in Wanaka in springtime when it's very windy so we went out to some pine pollen foraging and we just connected and it was one of those connections with a friend that you just you just have it's probably once in a lifetime or a couple in a lifetime 
experience you have. And we just connected like um, I've known him for a hundred years and we, we kept talking in on just, just via messenger on Facebook and, and over the phone, he's got a clinic in Brisbane that he operates and runs. And I had the idea and I wanted to do it with someone else, with someone very like-minded um, just to share the experience with, and also just to help out. So I pitched the idea to him and I think he said, um, yep, keen. That was his reply. <laughs> awesome. I was expecting this very deep, um, very deep philosophical reply. He said, yep, keen. And it's just evolved from there. So obviously he's very busy with the Brisbane clinic. So the bulk of the courses I run myself, the larger courses he comes over and helps out with. Um, but yeah, it's just been an absolute transformation, an evolution of myself. Um, and as I grow, as I develop, as I find words to sort of express what it is I want to do, um, New Age Primal evolves with it. Yeah, awesome. So you have uh, understood again a lot more about yourself through this journey with New, New Age Primal as well. Yes. Yeah, cool. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and always will. And I think that's one of those beautiful things that inspires me and motivates me to really make this work, not from a financial point of view, but just from a, a very well-rounded point of view. A successful business is a byproduct of many things, just like a successful athlete so there's many things i need to master with having new age primal successful but yeah that, that's one of the, the things i really enjoy is the the more successful it becomes the more well-rounded more educated more um more insightful and understanding a better person i'll become as well which is a massive um, motivation for me to really make this work yeah and is that the chicken or the egg what, what comes first with that? Or is it, uh, it's I, a mutually I, I, evolving thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's an evolving thing, and I think um, I think both. I think, yeah, again, very hard to quantify, but I think um, I'm in a very good place to do what I do mentally um, and physically. Um, it's something I've researched for a very long time as well. I think my sort of uh, knowledge is at a point where I can really benefit. I think it's a very unique idea with what we teach as well. Um, but again, it's, it's not, it's, it doesn't stop. It's an evolution. It's, it's like, I'm um, saying how good, how fast can someone run? How f can they break the two hour marathon? Uh, time will tell. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe I'll be successful. Maybe I won't. But, um, that's, that's why we try this. That's why we give it a go. That's why we, um, that's why we jump off the cliff, I guess. It is. Yeah. Yeah. What is, what does success look like for you at the moment? That's a good question. That's something, again, I've, I've learned to rewrite as I've got older and more experienced and had different perspectives. Um, currently, for me, I, would, I need to make it financially viable for my time's sake, to look after my family's sake. I mean, when we bought a house last year, I need to pay off the mortgage. Um, so I need to have a financial gain from it. But financially, that also means that if I have a financial gain, that I'm doing some areas of the business aspect right. So there's the business side of it in terms of um, I'm learning the business side as I go. Basically, it's not something I studied, not something I'm naturally good at. Um, the taking the courses, teaching the the information, that's what I'm good at. That's where my strengths lie. You know, working with human physiology, working with survival mindset mindset strategies. That's my passion. That's my strength. The business side of it, I hate. I couldn't give two shits about. But I'm understanding it's very important, and it's possibly the most important bit because that's the avenue people will find me. The social media, the content, I'm very blessed in the fact that my fiance is an extremely good photographer and videographer. So I have a, a stockpile of very good imagery and content to use, which is, you know, possibly the most 
beneficial part of the business so far because it gives that credibility and gives people that understanding of what we do and it tells the story of what we do as well. Yeah. But also I want to have that aside, the most successful part I would like to nail is having the benefits that I work, the results and the benefits that people get from working with me. I can um, I can have a very financially viable business, but I want that to be quantified by the success and the results people have and the transformations that, that happens within their lives. Very cool. So so there's many things. There's a financial, there's a, what it does for me as well. And the moment I stop practicing this, the moment I stop walking this talk, the moment I stop swimming in cold rivers, the moment I stop wild foraging and exploring and looking for the new, new frontiers and what we can achieve, um, that's probably the moment I'll pull the pin because it means I'm not being authentic with what I do. And that's something that I really want to be very transparent with. And I think a point of difference with Greg and myself and something that we really own is this is something we do. This is something that's not we have a passion in. It's something we live by. It's something we do every day. It's something we get up in the morning. It's something we go to sleep with. It's something we wake up at three in the morning and think about new ideas with. So it's um, this is who we are through and through. And this is something that I want to keep probably the core value of New Age Primal is this isn't a biohack. This isn't a trick. This isn't a juice fast. This is a way of living. Awesome. Yeah. I really resonate with that. Eh? It's it's an amazing concept, and it also it sounds like it just really, really lights you up and really excites you with it. And I think, oh, it does. When you're yeah. when you're that excited about something, it's so much more fun to actually go and do this stuff. And even though you don't like the business side of things. It's still it's still a challenge and it's still something oh, that you, you attack and you have that motivation. It's, it's there going to... in the it's going in a direction that is positive. I mean, I guess with sport, with anything, I didn't like stretching, but I still had to do it. Um, with anything that you endeavour to do very well, there's, there's going to be aspects you don't enjoy as much as the fundamental aspect of why you started it in the first place. And again, it's an evolution. That's something for me that I've learned to enjoy, and I'm starting to see the the challenge and the competitive side of the business and how I can apply what I do on the course and what we actually physically teach to that as well. So that's been a growth within myself. Um, but that takes us back to what I was saying at the beginning, you know, the understanding of why someone is doing what they do. And that was something I hadn't quite nailed with my sport career. Um, and that's the lesson I've learned with this. And I think that's the reason of the success with New Age Primal so far and I think the reason it will be successful in the future is because of the reason we're doing this and our life purpose. Um, and we hold that so strong. Yeah, it, it sounds like you've got really clear on the why with it, which is, is awesome. Ben, the next question that I've got for you is, I, I was having a, having a quick flick through you, the website of New Age Primal the other day and something came up for me for, about this next question. So what are the unique mindset skills and knowledge that you believe people must have to thrive in life? And it sounds like you've been doing quite a bit of thinking about this recently as well. Yeah, but, and it's a very good question. A lot of thinking, a lot of research, a lot of uh, practical application. There's a very good book called Sapiens. Have you read that? I haven't. It's on my to-read list. Yes. It's a very good book called Sapiens by Yuval Harari. A very clever Jewish professor. He 
he wanted to discover why humans had become so successful against all other animals in the world, in the universe. We are an animal um, and we are competing against other animals. And when you think about it, we'll become very successful and we, 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 we rule the world with an iron fist, basically. Now, the reason, one of the, he, he had a couple of reasons he concluded with, but one of the reasons and the most relevant reason um, that's going to answer your question is our ability to believe in fictional stories. Now, most of what we do is based off a fictional story. A podcast is a fictional story. A company is a fictional story. The idea of trade is a fictional story. Going to school, finance, economics, business, marketing, it's a fictional story. I'm not saying they're not beneficial and they're not very useful in a modern society, but they are made up ideas. They're fictional stories. We are basically the only animal who has the ability to think in that way. If I say to my Malamute, Alaska Malamute Masker, if you give me your bone, I'll give you six bones later, that means nothing to him and we'll probably have a big fight over it. If you say to a chimpanzee, if you behave a certain way, you will get as many bananas as you want when you pass. They don't have the cognitive ability to, to process that information. It means absolutely nothing to them. So their the essence of their life is performing and survival. That is the only needs they have, basically. So the ability to believe in fictional stories has brought us many positive things. I'm not saying it's bad at all. I think it's brought us many beautiful things, and it's given us the, the ability to create, to imagine, and to use that as, as you and I do in a very positive way, in a very beneficial way. But what it's done is it's taken away our ability to think in the terms of survival. And like I said, survival is absolutely everywhere. We like to think we live in a very safe, stable world, but all you have to do is turn on the news and you see we live in a very dangerous, hostile world. And I think the balance of keeping us in the way we are now is in a very, very fine tipping point. It can tip it very can tip it any, any second, basically. So I think the need for, for survival is very, very important. And I think the way we are indoctrinated in our modern society takes us away from those, um, not only those skills in terms of how to physically keep yourself alive, but the most important part with the, and what we teach on our survival skills is not how to make a shelter, not how to forage, not how to hunt, not know how to traverse at pace, not how to have situational awareness, but it's having the mindset. That's the most, by far the most important part. People come in our courses and they want to learn the best knots, the best knife, the best shelter, how to make things. Um, and then sometimes they get a little bit disappointed. They, they realize the benefit later. But what we teach, the most important part is the mindset. Um, so the mindset strategies that we teach are having a life purpose. Um, by far the most important. Um, another very good book called Lone Survivor. Um, sorry, Deep Survival. Lone Survivor is a movie. Deep Survival um, by Lawrence Gonzalez. He was fascinated. His goal was to find out what the difference was between people who survived and people who didn't. And that can be on an accident on Everest. That can be cancer. That can be any, any form of survival. And what he found was it wasn't a skill they possessed. It was their mindset. It was their, their life purpose. So for me, my life purpose is I need to have these skills so I can look after my family. That is my reason for being alive is to procreate, to have a daughter or a son, to find a compatible partner and to bring forward children and to make for and make sure they are healthy, strong and resilient so they can do the same thing and sort of bring forward our lineage, our family lineage. But I can't do that without my particular skill set. 
So having a life purpose, I think, is by far the most important aspect. Um, the second one, I think, is, and again, in a survival situation, whether it be urban, whether it be business, whether it be financial, a family crisis, or a survival situation in the wilderness, is the ability to think emotionally instead of uh, logically instead of emotionally. And that comes through a mnemonic, which we use to stop, think, orientate, and plan. And we, it's very, very simple mnemonic. The military use it as well. It's basically stop. And it's the ability to think logically when something bad happens to us instead of instinctually or emotionally. Now, if I say to people, if, if I take people into the wilderness and say, I want you to navigate our way out of this, and I'm talking the wilderness in a very dense jungle. And they say, well, I can't because I can't see, I can't see five meters, let alone a hundred meters. And then I take them up into the skyline or a lookout or into a, um, into the sky tower in the Auckland city. And I say, now navigate your way out. And it's very easy for them to do because they can, they have a different perspective. They're in a helicopter. They can see from above. They can see trails. They can see side roads. They can see their way out. They can navigate easily. It's a very good analogy of what I like to use in a survival situation because when stressful situations kick in, our emotive state does as well, our instinctual state. And what that does is it brings a cloud. Now, that's a very hard way to think. It's a very instinctual, very natural way to think, actually, but it doesn't serve us very good purpose because it makes us think very irrationally and it normally causes us to make bigger problems than what the problem already is in the first place. So something we teach is emotional bookmarking, which is the ability to retrain your mental brain, remap uh, synapses, to think in a logical sense rather than an emotional sense. And it's only done by doing it over and over and over and over again. Now, when people come on the courses and they say, I'm going to learn how to make a fire that's beneficial or learn how to make a shelter or do medical first aid in the wilderness, that's beneficial, but they might only use it once in a lifetime. So for me, it's not a very good selling point to spend a bunch of money to come to learn a skill that you might learn once. So what we do is we actually say, look, yes, you're going to learn how to build a fire, how to do a um, one of many things. But what we're going to do is we're going to teach you skills and strategies that you're going to be able to apply in every aspect of life. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense to me. So we teach how to keep people safe in the wilderness from a physical, from a strategy point of view, from a mindset point of view as well. But what most people actually, the, the, the funniest emails I get is the ones about a, a month later and they say, look, I, I had a fantastic time. But to be honest, the benefits haven't been in the wilderness. The benefits have been in my personal life. The benefits have been in my family, um, in my business life, my ability to navigate situations much, much better. And that's actually what I enjoy the most because most people don't spend their time in the wilderness. They spend their time in business or at family or driving or in the city. So that's when they're going to have to use most of their skills. So the mindset strategies that we teach, we do it in a way that can benefit people, not just in the wilderness, but can they're highly transferable. They can be used in any area of life, basically. Um, and again, the more they use them, the better they will become. If you practice physiotherapy once a year, you're going to be very shit at it. Yeah. The better you, the, the better you, the more you practice it, the better you become. If I practice doing a, a bow drill fire once a, once a year, I'm not going to be particularly good at it or efficient at it. If I do it once a week, once a year, uh, once, sorry, once a day, I'm going to be very, very efficient at that task. So if these mindset strategies aren't practiced often, they're not going to be used. And it's just the more you use it, the better you become at it, basically. It's just this very simple, um, 
to quantify that result. So we apply them in every aspect of people's lives. And like I said, it's not something until they get home and they realize, oh, well, I've actually been practicing this and everything I do. That way I get an email or a phone call and say, hey, look, this has been very beneficial. Thank you for your time. Yeah, yeah, that, that's cool. And I think you, the important point that you make there, I mean, you've made a, a whole heap of them, but it's that consistency of practice with it as well and that we we actually, well, I understand that very well from a physical point of view and I think most people understand it quite well from a physical point of view that to get better physically, you need to consistently train. But appropriately, yes. Yeah, yeah, appropriately, but it's not, something that we all grasp from a, a mental point of view that hey we need know. to train these thought processes and train these strategies consistently so that we uh, we change the way that we're we're thinking and we change the way that we're approaching things and a good analogy that I heard about that the other day was in terms of sweeping the floor Yes, you need to keep sweeping the floor because it's just going to get dirty again. Yeah, and I think absolutely, with, especially with kind of the amount of sort of input and uh, and things that bombard us at the moment, that just kind of dirties the floor. So we oh, need to just make sure that we're kind of consciously uh, applying these thought processes and, and these mindsets and these strategies that you're talking about there. Absolutely. It's, it's the mind controls everything, whether it be from a sport, a professional sport career, any aspect of life we do, it starts with the mind. It starts with the, our understanding of why we're doing it, but the mind controls how we respond to certain situations. So we teach survival. Um, and again, that's where people are either going to thrive. It's, it's not how well they can handle the cold. It's not how well they can, um, build a shelter. It's not how well they can fix a broken leg. It's, it's a, that's, those are one percenters. It's where people survive is how they how they perceive a situation and how they calculate what to do from there, basically. And that, that either comes from a panic, like I said, a emotional, um, instinctual point of view response or a logical response. And the logical responses aren't natural. And that's something people need to understand as well. It's very it's very normal for us to act irrationally because that's what we are designed to do. But the success of a survival situation is um, being able to train our, our mental pathways to think logically, to think clear-headed, and to um, act appropriately. Yeah, awesome, man. Um, I could talk for you to you for hours, but Likewise. I think we better we better wrap things up shortly. Um, I've got a couple more questions. One of them is. How do you go about testing the research um, and the and the research uh, that you're reading? How do you select that? That's a very good question. I think a lot of people need to be slightly more clever with this as well, because anyone can be an expert on the internet. I mean, I for all you, for all you know, and your listeners could know, I could have started this yesterday. You know, you, you hear of vegans; they um, they discover veganism the next day. They're a sensation on a podcast or on a, on, a, on a YouTube channel. So anyone can be a professional and anyone can write content. And that's just, that's, that's again, that's a beauty and a negative of um, the ease of in, of which information can be shared. So for me, again, I, I, I follow people who have done great things. Um, if people are doing incredible things and getting incredible results, it's usually for a reason. And it's normally very easy to, to identify if it's just a marketing gimmick or if they truly are getting actual success within themselves and with the people they work with. So that's something for me as well. And again, 
we do a lot of um, ancestral health, a lot of ancestral philosophy, and follow incredible people all the way back to Native Amer- Native Amer- uh, Native Americans. Um, you know, a lot of what we take comes from their knowledge. Um, incredible warriors, incredible warriors, incredible people, incredible fathers, incredible figures. Um, so we combine a lot of intrinsic wisdom, a lot of um, – we follow people who have done incredible things. We also combine that with sort of science and um, scientific literature, basically. The beauty, the beauty of the world we live in now and what science can do, science has brought a lot of negative things in terms of medical care, but it's also brought a lot of incredible things as well. So anything anyone practices, basically a health practice, even um, psychologically, it's scientifically tested. Now, then, then the next question is how do you quantify and how do you find out if that test has been authentic or not and there's been no invested interest behind it. Um, and again, it's just doing your research. It's finding good sources. It's doing it's finding credible information um, that has been tested, basically, and finding the same results over and over again. So, yeah, to, to summarize, we, we use a lot of um, just common sense. People who are doing incredible things are usually for a reason. You know, if they have really good success in particular areas and survival performance. Um, and again, a lot of those people haven't been to university. They don't have a huge alphabet behind their name on an email. They're very basic, very humble people, but they've found incredible success. A lot of those people are very um, well science studied as well. But if you combine that with the beauty of what um, modern day science can bring in terms of scientific testing for these for these studies, for these practices, for these ways of living, um, it's very easy to sort of debunk what's good and what's not. Do you personally go out and apply this stuff as well to test it out and see if it if it's working for you? I'm glad you brought that up because that was actually going to be the next thing if you asked it or not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, and that's 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 something I feel is lacking immensely within the world that we are talking about now. Everyone is a professional in terms of their knowledge more so than I am. Everyone knows everything about biochemistry, everything about psychology, everything about physiology, but very few people I feel are actually going out and implementing it, actually practicing it. And that's something that we strive to do as well. And something that we is an incredibly large part of our new age primal is how to actually turn this from information to a sustainable strategy. Because anyone can go on the internet and find very well-researched papers from it be scientific literature, medical journals, whatever it might be, and they can be an absolute expert on it. But what they do lack is how to actually turn this from a knowledge into an actual strategy, how to actually implement it in a modern-day world. And that's the hard part, and that's where people, a lot of people fuck up and just and completely miss the boat, and that's where they... This where it falls down, I feel. They ha- they have no strategies to actually implement it and turn it into a practical strategy. So a huge part for me and a large part of my day is actually practicing what we preach. You know, walking the talk and actually thinking, does this work and what why doesn't it work? Why does it work well? Or if it doesn't work at all, how do we modify it to to make it fit? We're not going to teach something that we can't do ourselves. So if we can't intermittent fast, if we can't do long periods in the cold, if we can't do all the things that we are promoting at a very, very, very high level, we're not going to teach them because that means there's one of two things wrong. A, the science is bad, or B, the strategy on how to actually do it is uh, bad as well. It doesn't work. 
So if we can't do it, it's one of two reasons why. Um, so we go back to the drawing board and figure out what those are and we, we adapt, we modify and we do it again until it works perfectly. Um, but the actual practicing, I think, is going to be the next, it needs to be the next frontier of this sort of type of work because I think there's too much information on the internet. It, you know, biochemistry is done. It's done. Physiology is done. You know, it's, um, we know what the human rule book is and how it works, but what we don't know and what the next frontier I feel needs to be is how to actually do it because we are domesticated humans. We are very soft. We're very unresilient. Um, so to take someone and to actually apply this information, sustainably and long-term and to get long-term benefits, there needs to be an incredible amount of practical research done on how to actually do it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. And I think with that, the the knowledge base that we have as technology evolves, we're going to understand and we're going to learn more about ourselves in kind of more and more intricate details. I mean, you just look at the the research that's coming out about kind of the – gut microbiome for example recently um but also the the artisan the application of this stuff it's fantastic to have the knowledge but as you're saying to have strategies to apply it practically is basically it's the art of the science there it's the art yeah um it's 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 what makes it happen basically i mean Otherwise, all this information is just going to be left on the internet and no one can use it because it's just a, it needs to be, a, like we said, a success is a, or health, a successful athlete, a business is a byproduct of many things. Now, the knowledge is just, it's a very large part. It's a huge part of it, but there are other avenues and other things that need to be taken into account to make this work. Um, you know, your job, my job, everyone's job who's invested time, energy, money into doing this type of work in different fractions, our job is to make people healthier, to make people happier, have a life purpose, be more resilient, and to perform and survive. Um, but the pl- practical application of these this knowledge needs to be um, done a lot better, I think. And that's one of the reasons we really study a lot of ancestral wisdom, a lot of pronesis, um, because these guys didn't have that knowledge. They had to figure it out from a practical point of view. A lot of the Amazonian warriors, a lot of the shamans, a lot of the Native American warriors, um, Sitting Bull, Crazy Horse, a lot of the legendary Native Americans, they didn't know what intermittent fasting was. But they knew that they were healthier, stronger, and more resilient from missing meals. They didn't know about brown fat activation and the, the dissol- dissolving of biofilms and the immune simulation um, and mitochondrial biogenesis from cold water. But they noticed the benefits and they knew they had to have those benefits to fulfill their tasks. So we live from a knowledge point of view that we lack strategies. They lacked knowledge in terms of a scientific point of view, but they had the practical wisdom to do it. So like you said, where do I find this stuff from? I think it needs to come from both avenues. I think it needs to come wholeheartedly needs to come from a very pronesis point of view, a, a um intrinsic wisdom and it's point of view because those are the guys who really explored it and really pioneered it and they found the practical ways to actually do it implement it to five-fold foods they understood the importance of mindset strategies they understood the importance of um all the or every practical application of what i'm talking about theoretical point of view and then without that practical wisdom it's, it's just not going to go 
think of the 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 world we live in now a lot of negative you know a lot of negative talk about cancer heart disease the world is fucked but i think we have the access to that ancestral knowledge we have we we can look back and we can see how healthy they were how resilient they were how strong they were and we can see what they did we can use scientific literature and scientific methods to test what they did but we also have biochemistry. We have a very firm understanding of that. We also have you know, human physiology. We can actually test these things. So we live at a beautiful point of view because we can look back and we can look forward as well. And we live in a we're – we're a sitting point where we can um, – it's just a fantastic, very fascinating um, era for us to live in. And I think we're very blessed. And I think it's just um, very exciting with what we can do. It is, yeah, yeah. It's, it is very, very positive, very exciting. And – I mean, I've just been thinking of you been as you've been talking there and, and going back to an earlier point in our conversation is that part of the the practical application of this is going to be around the stories that we tell yes. with it as well as that yes. there's this this kind of whole raft of of scientific information that scientists and other people that have studied it understand, but your general public doesn't and i think it's it's really important for for people uh, like like yourself and um others that kind of work in this area to be able to translate that knowledge through through story and through practical application to teach to other people as well which is uh, kind of amazing and and awesome that you're you're kind of walking this path and you're walking this walking this talk with it as well yeah, I mean, I think it just, you know, I'm never going to be the, the world's best scientist, um, nor do I want to be. I'm never going to be the world's best expert in biochemistry, um, nor do I want to be, because I think that means I can't um, do the physical application as well. So for me, again, learning from my mistakes from triathlons, this for me is 100% well-rounded. So it needs, it needs to raise at a very even bar the whole way. Um, so again, my success for this and my success for the people who attend our courses and the work we do is a very well-rounded, um, approach. So again, we're, we're very knowledgeable with what we do from an ancestral point of view, from a scientific point of view, from a literature point of view. But also I think the thing that sets us apart is our ability to really go out in the field and actually practically experiment, tailor and, um, apply the stuff and have that, um, ability to really do that. And I think that's what it's. What sets us apart and what's going to um, gives the people that come on our courses real benefits is um, sort of our interest in really making this 100% wholehearted and very well-rounded. Definitely. And you've uh, you've sold me for sure on coming down and spending some time <laughs> with you down there as well on, no, a, on a course. So I have hope to get a get a group of people together and come yeah, no, down and hang out with you. Um, mate, I've got a couple more questions for you before we, before we wrap this up. The questions that I ask everyone towards the end of the uh, the chat, but what was the last uncomfortable thing that you did, and how did you get through it? Um, very good question. Um, last uncomfortable thing was probably having a child. My fiance and child are sitting on the floor, so yeah. I'll, I'll choose my words carefully, but. <laughs> Um, you know, I think I've developed myself very well in the last sort of five, 10 years, but I am very reliant, not, not reliance, a bad word, but I enjoy my routine. 
I enjoy, and I think it's a good thing to have. I think routine. Um, I like to be organized. I like to be clean. I like to be quite precise um, with what I do, my, my surroundings, my environment. Um, I'm getting laughed at right now, but having a <laughs> child, having new, new things like that um, has taken me out of that comfort zone because I can't do it all the time. It means that a lot of my time is spent quite unorganized um, on the fly which doesn't sit quite well with me. I like to be very organized with what I do, very clean, quite precise, like I said. Um, but again, having a child, having those different responsibilities, having that different time has not given me the ability to do that. So again, survival is about um, adapting. Survival is the person who can adapt the most. So for me, it's just been adapting to new situations. And again, it's a, it's a different application to what I do. What's the next uncomfortable thing that you're going to do and why is that uncomfortable for you? Um, this winter, well, this winter, I really would like to really test the limits with cold water therapy, with environmental conditioning. Um, again, if I'm not practicing this at the very deep end, um, I'm not doing service to anyone or myself or the company that I've created. Um, so this winter, I want to do some very, I want to push the limits quite a lot. I want to test it very hard. Um, um, so yeah, this winter, we're going to do a lot of cold water training, a lot of cold water training. Obviously, I did a lot last year. You know, we were getting down to uh, minus two air temperature and the water being eight, seven or eight. And I think we got up to about an hour in the water, just in togs. You know, this year, I'd like to push that towards an hour and a quarter, hour 20. Um, and you know, it's gonna, it's gonna bring up new, new parts of me. It's gonna bring up emotions, um, my mental strength, physical. Um, so again, I think one thing that is missing within the health world, we know what the worst is, is a scale. We know what the worst level of health is, but we don't quite know what the best level of health is. One thing that we want to do is we want to work with people who want to explore what the best level is. You know, how far can we push it? Um, and that's why we use wild foods because um, it's the next frontier of nutrition, we think. Um, that's why we use environmental conditioning because it just, it just brings so many benefits to the body, the mind, emotions. Um, so this winter, we're really going to test what the, the, the real end of the spectrum, how far can we test things. Um, so, we're, yeah, we're going we're gonna to test things very hard this winter. We're going to really push the limits and see what happens. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, which is going to be which is going to be uncomfortable, obviously, but um, uncomfort is the only the only thing about uncomfortable is the way you perceive it. If you perceive it as a horrible task, uh, it's going to be horrible, and no one's going to do it. And again, this is a mindset strategy. If you perceive it as benefit, um, and this is the beauty of living, uh, looking at ancestral wisdom and ancestral knowledge. Um, appropriate discomfort, appropriate. We evolved off discomfort. We, we evolved off hardship. We didn't get to the place we are now from everything being easy. You know, we had environmental discomfort. We had nutritional duress. We had physical, um, hardship. You know, we, we, the human body needs those to thrive. And again, I guess that's the beauty of your podcast and, and such a beautiful and, um, fitting name behind the podcast as well. And the reason you've done so well is, we need to understand why hardship is good. Mm. And I'm not talking about chronic long-term hardship of being in a shitty job, a bad relationship and sitting in two hours traffic every day. We need to understand um, we can architect a life that is really positive for us, very healthy for us, 
doing jobs we love, being with people and friends that we love and doing things that really inspires us and brings out the best in us. And if we can combine that with hormetic stress, you know, cold water, um, the, the ultra marathon you're doing, um, that's when discomfort becomes really good. That's when hardship, um, discomfort is okay. Hardship is okay. And that's when we really get to see the benefits behind it. So I think it's something I, something's very big for us. And I think for yourself as well as, teaching people the reason behind hardship, why would we do that? Because it brings positive, brings brings benefit, brings strength to us, brings resilience to us, it brings health to us. Um, so yeah, that's the reason I, I test myself, I push myself because it brings, um, it teaches me new things. It brings very positive skills to myself. Awesome. I would, you obviously saw me nodding away the, <laughs> the whole way through there, but the listeners didn't. Um, that was, yeah, that's an awesome answer, mate. Um, uh, two more questions for you. But first, I just want to say again, thanks very much for, for taking the time to sit down with me this morning and, and have a chat. But also, thank you as well for assisting people in, in the practical application of, of the science as well as being an example of, but also pushing yourself to, or and pushing other people to really discover their potential. Because I think so many people don't uh, even kind of think about exploring that because it starts to get hard at some point. So yes, thank thank you very much for leading the way with that. Thank you it's very, very much. Cool. And likewise, you know, you're yeah. Your podcast, your direct, your direction with the podcast. You know, you're you're a pioneer. You know, you're not just going down the the route of um. Can you tell me why green juices are good? Can you tell me why banana smoothies are good? You know, fuck, it's been done a million times over. And you know, therefore the one percenters. You know, the stuff you're doing and what I'm trying to do. You know, we're we're trying to be pioneers in this world. We're trying to really explore the next frontier of what is possible. So you know, thank you for yourself as well. Oh, I, I appreciate that, mate. Um, the next question for you is probably one of the easiest ones that I've asked here. If people like what they hear, if they want to support you, if they want to come on one of your courses um, or even just find out more about what you're doing, where should they go? How can they do that? Probably our website and social media is the best avenue. It's um, www.newageprimal.co.nz. A lot of what we do is very bespoke as well. So we leave a huge amount open for individual experience, age, levels, um, and what they would like to achieve from the course as well, you know, our, our job is to work individually with people. And as we discussed, people are so varied. So we we leave our courses very open to design a very bespoke experience for our guests. Um, so if they have any questions as well, they can just find that on um, info at newageprimal.co.nz. And I'm happy to more, more than happy to answer any questions. And I'm really design bespoke courses for people to so they can get the best out of what they're trying to achieve. Brilliant. And I'll throw some links to that all up in the notes for the show Thank as you. well. Ben, before we uh, tie things off here, mate, do you have any advice or life lessons or interesting facts to leave us with today? Yeah. How, yeah, how much time we got? <laughs> <laughs> as um, much as you want, mate. As much yeah, as you want. My, my advice is just, uh, you know, life is beautiful. You know, I think we live in a world where there's a lot of negatives. And I think when you're in those negatives, like I have been, um, like I spoke about earlier in the podcast, it's very easy to get stuck in that world. And it's very easy with the analogy I used of being stuck in the wilderness and having to navigate your way out of it. Very, very hard. But when you lift yourself to a different platform in a helicopter skyline, you see things in a different perspective. So, and it's not till you get in that perspective that you realize how beautiful life is and what can be achieved. 
So my advice is just to stay uncomfortable because uncomfortable brings new perspective. New perspective brings the opportunity for change. It's a catalyst for development, for new new opportunities, new possibilities. So don't settle. Don't live a life of mediocrity. You know, we are lucky to be here. We uh, we we have an incredible gift as humans. Um, so strive for excellence. Strive to, strive to be different. Don't be afraid to be different to others. Be confident in your choices. Um, live a life of greatness. You know, there's 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 great people out there, all the way from Crazy Horse, Sitting Bull, the Native American warriors, all the way through to modern day pioneers. Um, you know, so the negativity is everywhere, but also so is greatness. So just surround yourself by people who you want to be around and who you want to be. You know, I think um, the, this is a huge transformation. People will go down if they choose to go down this path and it's something that never ends. So don't look for an end result. Um, look for a lifelong change of greatness. And I think um, it's, it's more than doable, but just surround yourself by incredible, beautiful people and um Challenge yourself, provide yourself with uh, hormetic challenges, and um, you know, strive to find out what you can achieve in this lifetime. Awesome, Ben. Thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with me today. My absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. There you have it, guys. I hope you enjoyed Ben's conversation with me. There, um, just listening to it again, I am buzzing once more. Uh, pretty pretty excited about that and looking forward to having many more conversations uh, with Ben Logan. He is a fascinating dude with um, some really cool perspectives. I want to take the time to say thanks again for you guys listening to me and Ben today and sharing your time with us. As always, I want to thank my talented brother Jeremy Desmond for supplying the awesome theme music. And the thought that I want to leave you with today uh, from my conversation with Ben is where he said, we evolved off discomfort, we evolved off hardship, we didn't get to the place we are now through everything being easy. The human body needs discomfort to grow. So this week, I think that the challenge for myself and for you guys is to get out there and do something that is uncomfortable and let me know how you go. Hit me up on Twitter at Chris Desmond NZ or on social, uh, on Facebook or on Instagram at Uncomfortable is okay. Or alternately, uh, pop me through an email, uncomfortable is okay at gmail.com. Um, and if there are some cool, uncomfortable stories out there, I'll definitely share them on the next couple of podcasts. Thank you.